It happens every single year, whether it's an expiring contract, the need for a change of scenery, or even forces beyond their control, a couple of big-name players find themselves in the middle of trade rumors. And in today's edition of the show, we are going to talk about three names, what they bring to the table, and which teams might be eager to make a deal. Episode 252 of the Lace Up Podcast starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. And on today's show, we are going to talk about lots and lots of trade rumors, Brett. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, I guess it happens every year and all that stuff. But uh, this year, I guess it's um, it's been even more prioritized, it feels like, just which is interesting um, just because it's a shortened season and all that stuff. But uh, two of these, so we have three players. Two of them are players that we've already talked about in terms of the trade rumors. So we're talking about Pierre-Luc Dubois and Patrick Laine. Um, however, there's a recent uh, new person who's turned into like the trade bait uh, target, and that's Keith Yandel, who we'll get to in a, uh, a few minutes. But, um, but yeah, so I think we're going to talk about each of these three players and uh, what what teams could be interested in this guy and what the teams want would want out of this potential deal if this does actually happen. Um, so we're going to start off with Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, the main reason is is that according to John Tortorello, uh, he he confirmed that Pierre Luc Dubois wants out, and he's kind of like taking it day by day. Um, we've we've talked about this uh, during the Jackets preview. I think I mentioned it last week as well, but briefly. But I think this is an interesting guy that I, I think there's going to be a lot of interest in because. Uh, well, first off, he was the 2016 third overall pick, and I remember at the time, it was a bit of a shock that people went with him because he was, um, you know, because people thought, like, Pouliouarvi was going to be the third overall pick, but it turned out it was going to be Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, just because he was more of a center than Pool Party was, I'm calling him Pool Party, um, <laughs> and... Um, and yeah, the, and it turns out that they made the right pick because Fuel URV kind of has been in and out of the NHL lineup, um, never really found his place in Edmonton so far. Um, he's even requested a trade in his time there, but for, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, he's kind of went off the gates running as soon as he was in the NHL. Um, he had 48 points in 82 games his rookie year, so that's not bad. But his truly breakout year was in the 2018-2019 season when he had 61 points in 82 games. Um, then the next year he had 49 points in 70 games, so that's not terrible. Um, but in the postseason, P- 
people will re- were really paying attention to him because he had 10 points in 10 games um, in that time. Um, so, so yeah, it does seem like he's disinterested in the Blue Jackets and wants to go to another team. It is, like, we've talked about this before, but it's unclear if it's because of Torts. It's unclear if it's because of the Blue Jackets. I believe it has more to do with the fact that he just wants to be in a bigger city. Um, I, I think I got the sense of that. I don't think he's ever confirmed it, but um, that's probably my guess of why where he wants to go to. So, um, so Steve, uh, first off, where do you, do you think Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to go to? Well, uh, Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman uh, wrote in his uh, 31 Thoughts blog, which he updates weekly, I think every Tuesday or Wednesday, he sends it out. And he mentioned the Pierre-Luc Dubois stuff in his latest edition. He mentioned two teams in particular, and there are a couple of other teams I've had, but the main teams he mentioned were the Montreal Canadiens and the Winnipeg Jets, both Canadian teams. So he would have to self-quarantine before joining the team, which means he would probably have to miss a bit of time um, in, in between the trade itself and his debut with his new team, mm-hmm. uh, whoever that might be. Now, there are no secrets about the Montreal Canadiens and their dire need for a number one center. Mm-hmm. It's been well documented. They tried to interview John Tavares when he was a free agent, didn't even meet with them. And if you look at Pierre-Luc Dubois' background, he speaks French, he's Canadian, he grew up in Rimouski, which is in Quebec, and uh, I'm sure a lot of Habs fans are in Rimouski, and I'm sure it would be nice to play closer to his home and native land. And when it comes to big stages, I think in terms of hockey, Montreal's right up there. So I think he would love that a lot. Um, Montreal, it's, it's interesting because they have a lot of interesting young prospects. Alex Romanov and Nick Suzuki, I would say, are probably the untouchables. No way in hell they get moved, but they have Ryan Paling, they have Jake Evans, maybe just Barry Kotkaniemi, who was a top 10 pick in his own right a few years after Dubois. Um, he's kind of shown flashes of brilliance, but with Suzuki basically, well, he hasn't ascended yet, but I think he will ascend up the ranks in a couple of years, um, if not this year. Um, I think the upside of Kotkaniemi might be shadowed by that. Perhaps the Habs would be willing to part ways with him. They have Kale Fleury, who is a decent young defenseman that I think could be the next best thing if they don't get Romanov. And in terms of everyday talents, you have Thomas Tatar and Philip Deneau on expiring contracts. I'm not sure, given the amount of money that Bergman has doled out in free agency uh, to the Jake Allen extension, to the Jeff Petrie extension, to the Brendan Gallagher extension, if he'll have enough to keep Tatar and Deneau on the full beat on this year. So if they want roster players, um, that they could part ways with too. So I think Montreal is probably the team that's going to push the hardest to get Dubois on their side. Um, And talking about the Winnipeg Jets being an interesting landing spot, they did get Paul Stasny from Vegas to help with um, their depth in the face-off dot. But his contract ends after this year. He's a lot older than Dubois is. Dubois is 22, Stasny's in his 30s. 
And um, there's talk of whether or not Brian Little will play and another NHL hockey. Um, he's been riddled with injuries his entire career. He uh, missed a lot of time um, with, I don't know if it was concussion-like symptoms, but I think he took a puck to the face or whatever, and it really messed him up. And he's still not back. He probably won't be back all year. Um, so when you look at their position down the middle long term it doesn't look great it's probably just as vulnerable as their defense yeah so um that could be an area of weakness that by getting Dubois the Jets choose to fill uh Jack Roslevic has asked for a trade as well um so perhaps he's a prospect that the Blue Jackets uh, could want and of course they have Patrick Laine whose camp might be open to a trade so Winnipeg has a bit of what they need and I will mention some other teams but those are the two that stuck out to me were Montreal and Winnipeg. Yeah, Montreal stuck out to me too. Winnipeg does as as well. I I mean, I think I'm speculating a bit because I guess Pierre-Luc Dubois hasn't expressed why he wants to leave, but I would imagine it has to do with the fact that he wants to be in a, like a bigger city or just has like a place that has more attention to hockey in general, just because he likes the big lights and all that stuff. So and Mont- John Tortorella specifically said about Dubois, he hasn't given a reason right. exactly why he wants to leave. Right. And he also mentions that he hasn't verbally told Tortorella, I don't want to play for you anymore. Yeah. He hasn't said that at all. So right. he's, he's still not leading on to what the exact reason is. Yeah, exactly. So um initially i so montreal would fit that bill and i guess winnipeg technically does just because it's a canadian city and they pay a lot of attention to that um however if he doesn't care about like the attention and stuff i was thinking like maybe like florida (laughs) um or carolina uh those would be interesting places to go to um or even like some place like the the New York Islanders or something. Uh, I'm just like because I feel like a lot of like you know like every team wants a like a one like there's a first line center. Those don't go on the trade market that often. So I feel like um, any, any team would pretty much he could go to any team. Um, however, I think. Places like Montreal, just because of that French-Canadian connection, um, seems like it's the most likely. Um, And, you know, the French and the Montreal Canadiens in particular have wanted a center for a long, long time. So that's that would be my guess, is that he's probably going to Montreal. But, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to another center-starved place either. Um, just because of because um, those are hard to come by. Were there were there other markets that um, you thought of, like any contending t- teams that uh, wanted him? Because there are a couple of other markets yeah. um, that uh, Ryan Dixon of Sportsnet mentioned. Get a load of some of these places. Um, he didn't mention Calgary, but I heard um, David Pagnot of the fourth period, I believe it was, uh, mentioning that Calgary could be a player there, and their top six is already good. But yeah. Ryan Dixon of Sportsnet mentioned a couple of places that could be pretty interesting. I wanted to get your reaction on some of them. Yeah, hold on. And- I, well, 
I was thinking. Uh, yeah, okay, but but I'll I'll let you get to your point first. But yeah, um, but, but yeah, there are some juicy ones that that sure. uh, that could catch your eyes. So yeah, continue. Yeah, the uh, I guess yeah. <laughs> no, thanks for getting me back to the point. Like, obviously, like you know, he wouldn't go to like Pittsburgh or Washington because yeah. they already have two uh, two centers already there. Um, so yeah, I was thinking like the Islanders, even like the Rangers. Uh, that would be um, interesting because uh, I feel like he's you know he's better than um, Ryan Strom um, or whoever this I guess Brock Nelson maybe they I, yeah it's, that's a toss up um, but uh, so that was another one and Nashville was another one I was thinking it's probably not like a sexy pick but Nashville would be um, probably an interesting thing because all they have is pretty much Matt Duchesne. Um, I would love so Columbus to Nashville just trade back for Ryan Johansson. Yeah, that'd be funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, um, but yeah. So I'll, I'll be curious to see what uh, what teams does this person say, and I'll give my reaction to. So, so Ryan Dixon did mention the New York Rangers, and he suggested a return might consist of Capo Caco, Ryan Strom, and a second in twenty twenty two. Okay. So there was that. He mentions Vegas. Ooh. Oh, yeah. And That's a good one, yeah. The return would include Cody Glass, Peyton Krebs, Marc-Andre Fleury, and the 2021 second, the Vegas have two. Uh, Vegas Golden Knights have two of those. And on top of acquiring Dubois, the Vegas Golden Knights would also acquire Jonas Corposalo. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not taking too much into these actual proposals because i'm not sure how true they are um so i could see that okay is that it um no there's there's another one um la oh interesting okay because that one they have a, they have a lot of young prospects they have turcott they have kaliev they have akil thomas right. they have probably significant value in terms of draft picks because they're going to be bad for a year or two still right. so la is is an interesting landing spot he didn't mention the Sens, but I'm not even going to talk about that because... That would make some <laughs> sense, yeah. To, to offer Jake Sanderson or for Pierre-Luc Dubois, I think, is is dumb. Yeah. Like, just stick to the rebuild. But, but yeah, he mentioned L.A., um, the Rangers, and Vegas, which really caught my interest because Vegas, yeah, they have a lot of depth, but they also need to stay within the cap. And I've heard names like Jonathan Marcheseau, possibly thrown around the trade room, Max Pacioretty, mm-hmm. maybe Alex Tuck as well. So those could all be useful yeah, guys that uh, Columbus targets, especially a guy like Marcheseau who can score goals. Yeah, I didn't even thought of Vegas. That's a good one. The LA Kings doesn't make too much sense to me. Um, I know that like the Blue Jackets don't have a ton of prospects, so that's probably, I mean, that, that'll lead us to our next question, but um, that doesn't necessarily make too much sense to me. I, I Actually, after thinking about this, there's two places that might be of interest. Uh, one mm. is Dallas, because I know that they're in need of centers. Um, so that would be an interesting thing. And, you know, they could get younger as well. Um, and then the other one is... Colorado. Um, I know that they have, I mean, obviously they have Nathan McKinnon, but uh, they don't, like, they have, um, and they also have uh, Nazem Kadri 
as the second line guy, but they don't necessarily, um, I feel like Dubois is better than Nazem Kadri, and Kadri feels more like a third line center to me than a second line, or I feel like he's more effective as a third line guy. Um, so maybe they, he goes to Colorado and then like, you know, then Colorado's really, really, really good. If, if they do yeah, that. they're already yeah. unfair offensively. Yeah, like, yeah. they just add Dubois, like get out. Of here. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, so that actually leads us to the next thing: is what what do we think Columbus wants back out of Pierre Luc Dubois? Um, assuming they do trade him, um, I think it's probably. Um, I mean, like, yeah, like we talked about, because Columbus kind of, after the Bobrovsky-Panarin-Duchesne uh, fiasco, even though they did win a playoff series, they, um, you know, they didn't go so far, and they didn't really get anyone back for those two guys, or three guys, leaving. Um, so I don't know if it necessarily makes too much sense, um, so I, that they, you know, they don't really have too much of a prospects out there. So I think that's ideally would be who they would want back. So probably like a young center um, prospect that they would need back. Um, and so Gasperi Kotkiniemi would probably make that deal and maybe someone else that they can develop over time or something like that. So uh, that would be my guess. They're kind of strong already in the defensive department with Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski. So I don't think they necessarily need to improve that much on the defensive side of things. And like Elvis and Corpusalo have been a solid group together as well. Uh, so I would imagine just centers or wingers that are either the same age as Pierre Lecubois or um, younger than him. Uh, so that they can develop them more. Um, so that would be my guess. And I think we, we talked about this before that, like, there's a time when, um, or in a couple of years, uh, Jones, Wierenski, Elvis, Corpusalo, Max Domi, and Pierre-Luc Dubois, if he stays, are all going to be free agents at the same time off season. So... So that is something that you also have to consider is that like will they'll probably need someone who's not in <laughs> that who doesn't have who isn't a free agent during that time period as well. Yeah, and, and I mentioned March or so because even after this year I think he's got like three years left on his deal. Yeah. And and sure he has like a no trade or no move clause, but I, I mean, Columbus is competitive. I don't think he would be on a no trade. They would be on a no trade list of his. Um, in terms of the return, I think you need a really good roster player that can help out your top six, preferably down the middle, as you mentioned, Brett. Um, I think you need a very good prospect. And depending on how good that prospect or roster player is, anywhere between a first and a second round pick as well. So a good roster player, good prospect and a first or second round pick, depending on how good the other two are. So that's probably the return. Cause like, again, Dubois is 22 years old. You're not just getting this guy in his prime. You're getting him a few years before he even hits his prime. 
and he's already a guy that can consistently post 20 plus goals a year, yeah. 30 plus assists per year. And you look at his offensive numbers last year, his point per game, um, not his point per game, his um, points per 82 games was 57 last year. If they actually completed the season, he played in every game. In the two seasons prior, he played all 82 games. He had 61 points his second year. And then the year Panarin leaves, he has like 18 goals, 31 assists for 49 points in 70 games. A point a game player on the nose during the playoffs with 10 points in 10 games, like you said, Brett. On top of that, um, if he did a lot of that as one of the top power play um, bloggers, I think he averaged 240 of ice time per game on the power play last year. His ice time hasn't even hit 18 minutes. It's been close the past couple of years, but hasn't hit 18 minutes yet. And you look at his face-off win percentage in the 2020 playoffs, it was around 40% the first two playoff runs he had. In his third one, it was, I think, 55% or something like that. And this year, to start, it's been just as good as it was in the playoffs. So now you're starting to get a guy who can win face-offs more often, maybe be a solid number one or number two center for you, can log a lot of power play minutes. You put the right pieces around him, he could get a lot of, like, he has decent amount of power play success already. He could have even more if if you put him in front of, like, electrifying offlands, like the Winnipeg Jets, for example. So that that's the thing with Dubois, is that he, he hasn't even scratched the surface of what he can become. And already he's a pretty good player. Right, right. Um, yeah, it should be interesting now that he's, like, I feel like for Yandel and Line A, which we'll, we're about to get to, it's a little bit different because they haven't officially asked for a trade, um, even though it seems like they're probably gone um, and want out. But, like, it's different for Dubois because he does want out, and it makes, like... So now it's, like, time to start thinking about what trade would make sense for... Uh, both teams or like this mystery team versus uh, Columbus and all that stuff. So that makes it more, all the more interesting is that of the three guys, it seems like Dubois is probably getting traded in the next year. Um, although I guess all three of these guys have a pretty good chance of getting traded in the next year. Um, okay. So the big, so now let's talk about Keith Yandel. Um, and he, uh, he, I guess this was probably, like, the biggest news story of this past week, other than, of course, you know, the NHL season started. Um, but the the thing was is that, uh, reportedly, Coach uh, Quenville had, uh, had, like, put Keith Yandel on, like, the taxi squad t- team in practices. Um, he wasn't on the power play one, which is... His best, uh, which is Keith Yandel's specialty, and, and preferred uh, Aaron Ekblad, which I mean makes sense. Aaron Ekblad's a pretty good player, but uh, not to the point where he would be healthy scratched. Um, and uh, yeah, and then Quenville even announced that like yeah, he's he's probably going. They're probably going to move away from Keith Yandel, um, and like they were even tempted to healthy scratch him. However, um, they, they reported earlier today, by the way, we're recording on Sunday, so the game has already happened, 
but they said that Keith Yandel is going to be in the lineup tonight, uh, so his Iron Man streak is alive. I guess he has the one of the longest-lasting Iron Man streaks um, in the NHL. Um, yeah, it's uh, I think 866 games will be 867 if he plays the opener. I knew you were going to come with me on the details, so thank you for that. Um, and... Uh, yeah, so it seems like he's actually going to be playing, and he's also going to be on the power play. Um, and I guess, I guess there, so there is something to be said about the fact that, yeah, Keith Yandel is, like, uh, 34 years old, um, and, he, you know, he's making $6.3 million for the next three years. So he's going to be tougher to move compared to all the other ones that we just talked about. But, um, and, and, you know, there is some deficiencies in his game where he just doesn't play defense. Um, so there is probably something there. And I'm not sure if teams want players that can't play defense and are more of a power play specialist. Um, however, guys like Tory Krug and Kevin Shattenkirk, who are also power play specialists, are, you know, are also pretty good. Um, and they're valuable and... There's always a need for those kind of guys. Um, so, how, having said that, like, you know, Keith Yandel is, like, actually pretty underrated. Um, I don't know if people realize this, but, like, two years ago, he had 62 points in 82 games, um, what, uh, in, like, two years ago, which is crazy. Of course, he had a plus-minus of minus 17, um, and his... Uh, and he had 110 giveaways with versus 27 takeaways that year. But, like, 62 points in 82 games is pretty, pretty good. Um, that was also a career high, by the way. Yeah. And 50 plus of those were assists. Yep. And, like, he was a top five Norris Trophy vote getter in 2010, 2011. He wasn't even nominated for the Norris in his career high uh, season. I don't think since 2012. 2013 he's been on the top 10 ballot of a Norris trophy vote but like even still this is a guy that typically gets you 40 to 50 uh 40 to 50 points easy maybe a bit more than that and like 30 to 40 assists per year guaranteed and he's lethal on the power play like he racks up power play points yeah yeah I guess to get a a a sense of that like that that year he had, um, I'm doing quick math here, he had 39 of those 62 points were uh, on the power play. So Yeah, he had, he had 39 uh, points on the power play, yep. and, and again, that was two seasons ago. Yep, and then, like, even still, like, he, last year he had 45 points in 69 games, still not the same as 62 and 82 uh, games, of course, you know, you have to... That was a shortened season, of course, due to COVID, but um, that's still pretty good. And, and like, that's not bad for a 33-year-old or a 34-year-old now, um, and that's pretty good. Um, so in terms of, um, but, yeah, so it seems like he's going to be, uh, he's going to be playing tonight because I guess there was enough pressure for him to... Um, you know, that peer pressure, I guess, does Quenville in and 
uh, now he's going to be playing. But, like, even still, there's... I'm going to list off the defense for the Florida Panthers, and you tell me if they're better than Keith Handel. Aaron Ekblad? Uh, yes, probably. Um, Anton Strahlman? Mackenzie Wieger? Radko Gudis? Riley Stillman? And Gustav Forsling? Um, no, 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 and no. Um, so it's pretty much, he's like the second best defenseman on that team. And it, it just, it doesn't make sense. I mean, I'm sure I get, I can see the point that like, yeah, his defense isn't up to snuff and he's like the prototypical offensive defenseman. Um, but having said that, like, he's basically another forward on your team, basically. Um, especially on the power play, which, which is when it becomes more valuable. Um, so, so I think there's, there's definitely a need for Keith Yandel on a squad, uh, because of that. Um, as for teams that would be interested in him, the most obvious one is the Boston Bruins, um, because A, he's from Boston and B, they just lost Tory Krug. Uh, he would be the perfect, um, replacement for, for that. Uh, he's also a left-handed defenseman, which is what Tory Krug and Zidane Chara were, um, that's my hope, and I know that he's poor on defense, but I, I'm willing to make up for it if he can still put up 40 points um, this year. Um, the only thing with the Bruins, though, is, of course, they're still cap-strapped, um, so that may not make a ton of sense um, <laughs> to do it. They would have to make something work um, for them there. Uh, but that was my immediate uh, reaction to it. Um, and I guess in terms of other teams, Edmonton maybe, although I guess they do have Tyson Berry now. Um, and uh, there's, I think there was another team. But I'll have you go before I can think of another team. Uh, before I do go into that tangent, I'm curious, what would you consider a satisfying return as a Bruins fan? Like, you would be like, I'm okay with this return that we're giving up to get handled. Yeah, that's a good question. Because um, I, I feel like Stine one of Stanika and DeBrusque has to be in there, if not both. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah, I guess they would want wingers back, which would be our next, which is our next question, is what would Florida want from him? Um, mm -hmm. Oh, by the way, I guess I should have mentioned that uh, like, even though he's not healthy scratch tonight, he should be, he'll probably be eventually healthy scratch. So his Ironman streak is, is in danger, even though it's not broken just yet. Um, yeah, I guess I, I feel like I, I don't want to give up on Stonika, so I want to keep him. I knew you were going that route. Um, I'd rather keep Stonika because I think he is valuable and he's been our best player, um, or best prospect in years. Um, so I, I, I guess I, I tend to want to hold on to prospects. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to Jake DeBrus because he is so inconsistent. Um, but, like, I guess you would have to... I feel like in order for this deal to work, you would have to, like, trade uh, an even bigger piece because of the cap space. Um... So, I don't know. 
I was thinking like maybe Charlie Coyle, um, but I'm not sure if Florida would go for that if it's like Charlie Coyle and Jake DeBrusque. And I'm not really sure that's a smart move for the Bruins to do if that's the case. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I haven't thought about the actual trade that would make sense because I know the cap issues would be an issue. So that is also something to consider. But I think Keith Yandel would be the main person for the Bruins. But yeah, anyways, who, who would you think would fit Keith, uh, Keith Angel in their system other than the Bruins. Yeah, so in, in terms of the Keith Angel situation, you mentioned about the salary cap, Brett, and it's interesting because this is a team, the Florida Panthers, that traded Mike Matheson, traded Josh Brown, ever heard of him? He's a death guy in the sense now. And they let Mark Pissick walk, who's a defense hybrid uh, a Ford hybrid kind of guy. Um, but primarily a defenseman during his time in Florida. Those three guys are done. And when the Mike Matheson trade happened, that led to the Panthers getting Patrick Hornquist. I remember this tweet. Can't remember where it was from, but I remember this tweet that mentioned that most of Hornquist's money was paid out and Matheson and Skevier had more money to pay out on their deals. And... Then I got word that there was a possibility that Florida might shed $10 million from their player budget because there's a pandemic and a lot of businesses are hurting, hockey teams, sports teams in general, no exception to that. So I feel like this is part of that. Because why else would you tell a guy that's been consistently productive offensively, forget his defensive liabilities, we all know about that, offensively, he still had 40 assists last year. At 34 years of age, he's still putting up points. He's still one of your top guys in the power play. He's still a good defenseman and better than a lot of the defensemen, Brett, that you just named. By the way, Gustav Forsling, they claimed off of Carolina this past week. Right. Noah Juleson, they claimed off waivers from the Habs this past yeah, week. And Kevin Connaughton, they signed. So yeah. they added three defense this week alone. <laughs> just thinking, how are any of them better than Keith Yandel? Like, they haven't proven that they're any better than Keith Yandel. Noah Jolson yeah. has barely played any hockey because, unlike Keith Yandel, he's been hurt. Right. So I'm, I'm just thinking to myself, like, what are the Panthers doing? Like, like Joe Quenville was thinking if you asked uh, everyone to rank Florida's 11 defensemen, a lot of people have a different number for Yandel. I would hope Yandel's not below four out of right. those eleven, because I I think they're I think they're maybe evaluating Keith Yandel based on his contract, and his contract is a bit of a burden to them because he has three years left. It's a six point three five million dollar cap hit, um, even though his salary is in the neighborhood of like five to five point seven five million in the final three years. Um, the the issue is he has a no move clause, and with the Seattle expansion draft coming about, that's not good news for Florida. So they're worried they're going to lose a promising talent to Seattle because of Yandel's no move, right. and he's getting older. But even that. still, like to tell him that they're not in his that he's not in their plans, like why? <laughs> yeah. 
based on performance alone, I think that's unfair. So in terms of getting back to your question, there is one other team. And I, and I said all of that because the trade suitors aren't going to be as vast as it is compared to Pierre-Luc Dubois because Pierre-Luc Dubois is a pending restricted free agent. He only costs like $5 million bucks a year for the next two years in terms of cap hit. He makes $3.35 million and $6.65 million the year after that. So like the cap hit is more manageable with Dubois than it is with Yandel. And Dubois is a lot younger than Keith Handel, of course. So it, two different situations there. And the no move makes it a bit tougher because Yandel controls his own destiny in that regard. So Boston, because he's a Boston boy, because they don't have Tory Krug, they don't have Zidane Chera, that's a slam dunk fit, top of my list. Outside of that, there is one other team that could make sense for the Florida Panthers to trade with. And that team is in your division for this year. That team would be the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, it was actually, that was the one that I forgot about. But, yeah, that mm-hmm. was, I was going to mention yeah. that one. Yeah, so the reason I mentioned the Philadelphia Flyers is because, as some of you know, they have a talented offensive defenseman that has been in and out of trade rumors for many years. His name is Shane Gostaspare. Yep. And he doesn't have much of a role on a young and promising Flyers blue line that already has Ivan Provorov, Travis Sanheim, Philip Myers on it. And that team also has a decent amount of forward prospects. Mm-hmm. Um, they probably won't trade Morgan Frost. They probably won't trade Joel Farabee. But they have guys like Bobby Brink. They have a defensive prospect like Cam York. On top of that, they have German Rubsov, who they had high hopes for but it hasn't really worked out so maybe he's part of a package there so you throw in Gostaspare a good prospect maybe a draft pick or two I think uh, Florida would be that that would be enough for them to pull the trigger on that so yeah. I think Boston's main competitive department would be Philadelphia yeah that's that's a good one too and also uh, Keith Yandel and Kevin Hayes are buddies in real life too so um I, I think they like they hang out all the time. Uh, if you listen to Spitting Chicklets, um, they have them on all the time, so they're they're good friends. So I think that would that's the other thing there too. Also, with Ghost Bear going to Florida, he's from Florida too, so that's the other uh, connection you could make too. Um, yeah, and I guess like as for so Philly was going to be one of the, my teams that I forgot about. Uh, the other ones that I was thinking, I'm not sure how they would make it work or if it even makes sense for the other t- uh, for the Panthers to do so. Uh, Winnipeg Jets, because I know that they need defensemen. Um, another one would be like even Detroit um, would be interesting, uh, just because like you know they could use a power play guy, maybe have like a veteran presence in the locker room that could be an interesting move for them I'm sure they could afford it and in the same vein uh, Anaheim would also be interesting there although they're they're not so good on d- the defensive side of things so that's all they need for <laughs> another uh, bad defensive uh, player who's a defenseman so maybe yeah. that doesn't make too much sense but um like in terms of like a veteran leadership guy who could teach uh, Jamie Drysdale the ropes, that would be a good fit for for Anaheim. 
Um, mm-hmm. And he's a very good uh, team guy as well. Exactly. Like, yeah. Very funny presence in the locker room, and uh, something to keep the team even keel, especially. You know, tough to do when you're losing a lot of games. Um, but I, I think out of those um, bottom feeding teams that you mentioned, I know bottom feeder might be a strong word, but it's I knew what you meant there. Yeah. Um, I think Detroit would probably the big the biggest selling point simply because Steve Eiserman's the GM and he knows a thing or two about building a t- team. So if he were to go to a non-contending team. I would probably say the Red Wings, if they're interested, are at the top of the list. I just don't know if they if they are willing to part away with the pieces that Florida would want in return. Because Detroit certainly has a lot of talented guys, but they need those talented guys for the future. Um, they can't afford to be parting ways with those. Similar to like Ottawa, they can't be afforded to part ways with their future for a 34-year-old defenseman who might be good, but long-term isn't what you want. So that that's the only problem with Detroit. I feel like Philadelphia and Boston are like the primary series, maybe Winnipeg, but more so Philly and Boston. Yeah, I mean, I guess this will take us to our next point, um, which is what would Florida want back? Um, and immediately I was thinking, like, back to the Pierre-Luc Dubois thing. Like, they kind of need centers. Uh, that would be something, because... All they have is pretty much Barkov. They did get Alexander Winberg um, in the system, but I feel like they could do better than that. Um, so, so maybe they'll probably ask for centers and stuff. And like Winnipeg is in the same kind of position because they uh, they don't have too many centers. All they have is Mark Scheifele. So that would be the one where I'm like, maybe Winnipeg doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, Goaltenders is also another thing, too, is uh, Bobrovsky is, well, first off, he's injured right now, so it seems like he's going to be gone. Chris Dreiger has been impressive, but I'm not sure how consistent he can be. Uh, same with Samuel Montembeau. Of course, they have Spencer Knight and Devon Levi in the system, but they're not going to be ready for at least three years from now, so... So at least maybe they could try to get a goaltender. Um, maybe like they try to get uh, like uh, uh, Craig Anderson from Washington, um, or they try to get Corey Schneider from the New York Islanders, um, or something of that nature, where they can just like have like a placeholder, um, and they could get like a decent backup for Bobrovsky. Um, Especially when if Bobrovsky starts to struggle some more, um, and they don't believe in Chris Dreiger. Mm-hmm. And I should mention uh, for those of you who haven't heard, it's expected that Jimmy Howard will retire, so um, you can take him off of your plans, Florida. Um, he's probably not signing with anybody. So, um, but but yeah, you you do mention an interesting point about their goaltending. Um, Probably a guy like Schneider or Anderson could fit the bill, especially because they're like taxi squad duties for the right. respective club. Um, although with Farlamov's injury, Schneider could be the backup in Long Island for the foreseeable future. Depends on how bad the injury to Farlamov is. Yeah, good point. Um, but I, I feel like I, I feel like the reason I mentioned Gostas Bear in Philadelphia is like by trading Yandel. I still don't think with Gudis and 
leading the way that their defense is as good as they think it is. And I feel like they would be willing to take on a player like Shane Gostas Bear because his cap hits lower. He doesn't have the no move like Yandel does, and he's younger. So I think if they do get a top four defenseman, if they have the opportunity to do so, they should do it. Because parting ways with a top four defenseman like Yandel and not getting someone of decent value back in return to fill that spot, I think would be a big mistake. Yeah, the more I look at it, I feel like the Panthers need help everywhere. Because, you know, they lost Dadanoff and Hoffman um, in, you know, this offseason. I mean, yeah, they got Patrick Hornquist. They added uh, Anthony Duclair. As I mentioned, they also have Alexander Wenberg. But, like, like it's not, none of this, other than Huberdeau and Barkov, none of it really inspires confidence that this team is a contending team um and like Aaron Eckblad is good and he you know he's shown that he's been pretty good and he does like both like he picked up his offense last year too so um I'm fine with that but yeah I, I agree I think they need to um they need to do some more work um to figure that out or just like, I guess any, any position would be a value for them <laughs> pretty much if they are to trade. But yeah, I guess defense is another thing. Um, if they're going to be trading Keith Yandel primarily because he's bad on defense, maybe they try to get a shutdown defenseman uh, somewhere that, that could also be a, a way to go about it. Um, okay, and then lastly, we're going to talk about Patrick Laine. Um, so, uh, there's been trade speculations for years now. Um, this isn't the first time we've been talking about it. However, I did mention this um, a couple weeks ago that Patrick Laine had this press conference, um, and it kind of changed my tune about it, because I think when we've had this conversation before... I was always, like, hesitant to trade Patrick Laine. Um, I still am in, in some way because I don't think the Winnipeg Jets can ever truly win a Patrick Laine trade. But um, after listening to the the soundbite of this press conference, I was thinking, like, okay, Patrick Laine wants, wants out. Um, and, and, yeah, it's... Clear that, um, like, in during this press conference, he says that he wants um, that he's like, you know, he was asked that that like if he was asked because his agent had expressed that Patrick Laine uh, needs a change of scenery and wants to be traded and stuff, and um, and then Laine uh, says that he's just focusing on the the game by game and all that stuff. But then, which is what turned me around from it is then he says that like even Wayne Gretzky was traded. Um, and of course that's like a, a natural thing that every player says, um, like, and he's not really like comparing himself to Wayne Gretzky, of course, but he's kind of saying that like, you know, like, you know, anything can happen, and he's trying to allude that, like, hey, even, like, a big trade could happen, so he wasn't, like, denying that he wants out there, he was just saying, like, he's just focusing on the game, 
and maybe something crazy could happen. And that doesn't spark inspiration if you think that Patrick Laine wants to stay there. Um, I think the biggest news, like, or the biggest reason why Patrick Laine may not want to stay in Winnipeg is, well, first off, Winnipeg is Winnipeg. It's, um, it's his notoriously known as, like, not a great place to live. Um, not to knock anyone who lives in Winnipeg. I think they all understand that. Um, but, uh, like, I, I feel like maybe Patrick Line seems like the type of guy who wants to be in the limelight and wants to be in this city, and we'll get to that in a second, about what, what teams could be interested in him. But, um, the, uh, but, like, you know, I think, like Pierre-Luc Dubois and like Keith Yandel, Pierre, Patrick Line is one of the purest goal scorers in the league right now. Um, even, like, when you look back to the start of his career, he had, like, 36 goals in uh, when he was 18 years old. He had 44 goals um, when he was 19 years old. Um, and he was doing that, like, with 16 minutes of ice time or 17 minutes of ice time. Um, and then the third year, um, he had... Uh, 30 goals, which isn't nothing to sneeze at, at, and that was his, like, year that everyone was concerned about what was going on, but he wasn't, he wasn't playing with Mark Scheifele, he wasn't playing with Blake Wheeler, he wasn't playing with Kyle Connor, because that was the top line, he was playing with, like, um, he didn't, he didn't really have a center, um, he was playing with, like, random players, uh, at center, um, that year, and that's uh, primarily why his his goal totals kind of dipped. But even still, like, 30 goals as your worst year is not bad. Um, and then last year, he uh, he had 28 goals in 68 games, or at 63 points. And he already surpassed the point totals that he had the year before that. Um, so... Um, and, and of course that has to do with the fact that he was given more ice time. Um, so, so yeah, that's the, uh, um, intriguing part about it is that like Patrick Liney is a goal scorer. He's also like, I guess there is some knocks on his defensive stuff, but I feel like he's, he's kind of in the same mold as Alex Ovechkin where like he's getting better and better every year on the defensive side of stuff. And, um, his even he's starting to like pass more, which is an interesting development too. So he's not like just this one dimensional guy. He can, you know, he can score a lot of goals. Like, you know, he had two goals and one assist in his first game, but that's still, um, he's, he's still like, can, uh, you know, he's more than just a goal scorer. And that's a rarity in this league. Uh, because he's like it's, it's, it's a different breed in a way, and I feel like he could thrive on a lot of different teams and a lot of, you know, I think goal scoring is probably the rarest um, skill to have in the NHL, um, and Patrick Line is one of the best, and he's still he's twenty two years old. That's ridiculously young. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I, I feel like I feel like with this is like 
he hasn't verbally said that he wants to change. Like, sure, there have been, like, vague comments, but, mm-hmm. like, even his camp said, like, they wouldn't be opposed to a trade, but, like, they didn't verbally say, yeah, my client wants out. Get him out of here. Um, but I, I feel like, again, as I've said before in previous episodes, the talk isn't about is Patrick Line a good fit for the Winnipeg Jets? Because I do believe he is a good fit, and he's proven to be. It's what do the Jets need, and how do they get what they need? And when you have guys like Nikolai Ehlers and Kyle Connor and Cole Perfetti um, coming up in a couple of years that can score and play wing, it's just like maybe we can trade one of these top six wingers to get what we need, which is which is defense and maybe some depth down the middle. Um, so I, I feel like it becomes a form of necessity. It's like we love Patrick Line and we want to keep Patrick Line, but we need defense. And if the only way to get that defense, I guess it isn't the only way they could always like turn around and trade Nikolai Ehlers. They're not going to trade Kyle Connor because he had a monster season last year, and I think he's going to be just as good as Line, maybe a little bit not as good, but like still good, still like top 50 forward in the in the league which is awesome but like the 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 thing with patrick line is like you say he's a pure goal scorer all he does is score goals and his all-around game is starting to improve as well and he's he's becoming a very motivated very team guy which is great but i feel like when you trade away an elite talent like line a you're more likely to get what you need yeah so that's why the trade chat with line a is possibly heated up and when you get the word about his camp that they'd be open to a move you kind of get the feeling that things have gone too far and there's no turning back so if there's a deal that makes sense let's do it right so i i feel my two cents in the as i mentioned before yeah i i guess i like the reason why my mood changed is because i felt like like why would you try to move this guy if he's clearly like this is such like he's such a rare breed in the nhl and he's clearly improving he's one of their better players um and there you know there's even other like you know they should focus more on getting a center and getting a defenseman uh to help him out uh but but yeah at the same token it does seem like he wants to be traded so um so that's kind of where i i got i changed my tune where i'm like okay maybe maybe does make sense that he he should be traded um for that um but like i guess the question now is what return could you get from him um i think the most obvious team that's been interested in him and at least publicly they've mentioned this is the carolina hurricanes um because they're they they have the thin connection with sebastian ajo and tivo teravainen uh, Carolina also has a plethora of good defensemen, um, and that's probably the biggest need for the Winnipeg Jets, um, other than a center, too. But um, if you're trading Patrick Laine, uh, you, you're probably less focused on that. Uh, so I think Carolina makes the most sense. Um, but, yeah, I guess there's there's probably other teams that uh, would want him. I mean, I would love him on the Bruins, but, again... I don't think uh, it makes sense to uh, to have uh, uh, to uh, just the cap issues, but um, 
But yeah, like that that would be one where I'd be okay if Jax to Nika goes the other way. Um, if you're getting Patrick Line. Um because they, you know, they've been wanting that second line right winger forever. Um, and then in terms of like team, I feel like Patrick Line wants more of the attention and more of the spotlight. So even like I, I mean, I doubt the Rangers uh like they're going on like the prospects are hoping to develop their prospects some more. So maybe the Rangers could make sense though. Um, even still, like even like a Capo Caco or Kraft South or something like that. Um, the New York Islanders, maybe, um, if he wants to go to New York, a New York team. Um, yeah, pretty much any Canadian team, uh, could use them other than Ottawa for obvious reasons. But, um, yeah, that would be my my take. What what are you thinking? Well, obviously the main uh, taker would probably be the Carolina Hurricanes, yep. um, because sure the Jets have got uh, guys like Sam Naiku, Billy Hainola, and Cole Perfetti um, waiting in the wings, which is great. But those are all guys that are going to pay big money in the coming years, and Lenny going to get a qualifying offer that's upwards of seven million. Yep. Um, all of that could factor into this very big equation. So uh, obviously I, it, it's going to be interesting with Carolina because they're going to have to pay Andrei Sveshnikov money after this season. And on top of that, at the same time, Dougie Hamilton's a UFA. So if you want to go really crazy and offer Dougie Hamilton for Patrick Laine, um, hey, I, I would think hockey Twitter would explode. I don't know if it would make sense, but it would certainly cause hockey Twitter to explode. Yep. Uh, and the Jets need defense, and Dougie Hamilton's really hitting his stride. The, the problem with that is Dougie Hamilton would be a UFA, Patrick Lainez an RFA, the Hurricanes would have club control. Would, the, would that still be enough if you lose Dougie Hamilton for nothing? So might want to ask for a prospect like Ryan Suzuki or Dominic Bach or Jake Bean even. Um, so I, I feel like if you weren't getting Dougie Hamilton, it would probably be like Brett Pesce, a good prospect and like a first round pick or something like that. Um, but I, and they also have Seth Jarvis too, who they just drafted. So Carolina has a lot of good roster players and a lot of promising prospects to offer Winnipeg. So I think Carolina it would it would add like you say another dimension to their already lethal top six by getting Patrick Line, but they could also afford to do it, and they have the pieces to get it done. Uh, we mentioned Philadelphia with Keith Yandel. I also think they'd be good suitors for Line because they have young defenseman prospects, like I mentioned, in Philip Myers and Travis Sanheim, Joel Fairby and Morgan Frost. Probably not getting traded, but they already have like prospects like German Rubsov they can choose from, maybe throw in a first round pick there. And we mentioned how good Carolina's top six is. Philadelphia has guys like Konechny, Voracek, Couturier, Giroux, James Van Riemsdyk, who they're paying a lot of money, um, isn't really a top six forward. He's more of like a fringe second or third line guy. Um, so Philly, as it is, it's already good, and I think they're going to be even scarier if they get him. Um, but those are the two names that really stick out to my mind would be Carolina and Philadelphia. Yeah, Philadelphia is interesting, I guess, because I'm not sure if I see it there because I think they are already strong on wing. Um, but, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I guess pretty much anywhere would make sense. I guess it's like, for all three of these guys, they, <laughs> I mean, kind of defeats the whole purpose of this show, but I, I could really see them on any team, because all three of these guys are a rarity in their style, so they, um, I feel like any team could use a guy like them. Um, maybe, like, even, like, you know, the Dallas Stars, Edmonton, uh, for Patrick Laine, uh, because they, you know, maybe they need some help on the wing, um, or something like that. Like, imagine Patrick Laine with Connor McDavid. That'd be nuts. But, I mean, again, the cap issues. And that kind of takes me to the next question we're getting to is, like, when you look at the Winnipeg Jets cap, situation. You have Blake Wheeler, Kyle Connor, Mark Shifley, Nikolai Ehlers, Josh Josh Morrissey, and Connor Hellebuck all making all who have long term contracts and all making six million or more in those long term contracts. So um so Patrick Line is gonna be an RFA next year, but like he could be um he could be like you know, he would be making more um, if the trade, if the cap dynamic wasn't working at, like, if the Winnipeg Jets cap situation was different. Um, so, so yeah, I think it does appear that Patrick Line does want out just based off of that press conference. Um, I wonder where, um, but yeah, so I think, like, I think it's always been reported that, like, you know, defense would be a big issue for Winnipeg. Um, obviously a center, although it seems like Paul Stasny has been pretty good. Um, yeah, so those would be, like, the two big ones. But, of course, like, you can't go wrong with Kyle Connor, Nikolai Ehlers, and Blake Wheeler. That's kind of, like, their strength is that they have a lot of wing- wingers with Patrick Lining. Um, so, so maybe they try to like replace Patrick Lining and then also address the defensive side of things or address the center. Yeah. I also think another team could be St. Louis just because of the defense. I just worry about the salary cap and I guess a little bit with Philly and Carolina, I guess the salary cap will always be a concern no matter who trades with Patrick Lining because it's going to, in a, in a, in a very tight salary cap situation for the next year or so, a lot of teams are going to be struggling with that. But in terms of like prospects, in terms of defensive depth, St. Louis could be another team that if they really want to chase for the Stanley cup again, uh, Patrick line, would be very useful in that. Um, Because they have like promising forwards. They, they, they also have a defenseman as well. They could probably throw in a first round pick to get it done too. Um, so, so that's that's another that that's another area where perhaps uh, Patrick Lyon would be a good fit is in St. Louis. Um, I just think I, I I don't know how comfortable the Jets are going to be trading Patrick Lyon within the division because when this pandemic is over, everything's probably going to revert back to the way it was, with the exception right. of where one of the Pacific teams goes to the Central when Seattle comes around. But for the most part, Winnipeg and St. Louis are probably going to be divisional rivals once this season is done. So at that point, Patrick Laine, if he goes to St. Louis and stays there, 
easier division rival for the foreseeable future. And I don't right. know how they are about that. Yeah, that's, that is a good point. And usually when like big trades like this happen, like you usually like trade them to like someone who's not in the same conference as them. So <laughs> maybe they just go to a, a different or they don't even trade within the division. So I guess like, yeah, yeah so, definitely, uh, yeah. definitely a confer- in conference trade happens more than in, in trade. Like yeah. if there are in division trades that happen, they're usually minor. Right, so so back to that point, I guess Keith Yandel to Boston probably doesn't make sense, but maybe Keith Yandel to Philly does make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I think, yeah. in fairness, Keith Yandel has more of a say in that. Patrick Line doesn't have any sort of like no move or, right. or any that. He has little control as to where he goes. And I and I think also you brought up a good point too is that. Because he's an RFA next year, and there's expected to be an, a flat cap next year, that makes like every team's gonna be um, in cap cap situations. Plus the whole like uh, Seattle expansion draft that they also have to consider. So, um, so like the fact that he's an RFA next year also like makes it a little bit more harder to trade him for because because of that situation too so uh, just something to consider as well um so that about does it here um where yeah we <laughs> it'll be funny if like um well first off i saw that um patrick line wasn't in uh, practice today, but I think that's because the Winnipeg Jets are keeping cautious, or as they say, they're they're proceeding caution um, today because I guess there's potentially some players who might have COVID, um, and also Nikolai Ehlers wasn't in the in the uh, line as well. So, um, so, so take that with a grain of salt. Um, but it would be funny if like. All of a sudden, one of these guys is treated like right before this episode is out. Um, the um, other things, uh, so yeah, so our Twitter is Lace Up Podcast, our Facebook is Lace M Up, and that's oh, and um, you can listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. I'm Brett Dubuff. And he's Steve Ellsworth. I think I just missed Steve. Um, And catch us again on episode 253 of the Lay Some Up podcast. Thank you.